0: Welcome to My Friends in the North with PR and management consultant Sarah Waddington as she interviews some of the leading lights in the north of England about their work, the economy, communications and what makes them tick.
1: Hello and welcome to My Friends in the North. And today I am delighted to welcome to the show Louise Hunter MBE, Louise is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Northumbrian Water Group. Thanks for chatting to me
0: today, Louise. Hi, it's Sarah. I'm really delighted to be here. Thanks for asking me.
1: Our absolute pleasure. We're recording this podcast in the middle of lockdown three. Let's start by talking about how you're finding remote working and how a company like Northumbrian Water has managed to keep operations going since the start of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, it's been a tough year for everybody, I think. And I think we probably had our toughest period right at the beginning of the pandemic. So um, unlike some businesses, we couldn't just close up the doors. We had to, to keep going and make sure that you all had water delivered and your wastewater taken away. So we had to work really rapidly to figure out how to do that in the safe way to keep everybody safe. Um, it was a pretty intense period, to be honest. So if I think, and I <laughs> so struggle thinking back now, but if I think back to last March, um, I was looking after... To, not just the corporate affairs team so all of our internal and external communications but I was also um, caretaking on the, the customer services team and um, for another director who was, was out of the business for a little while and um, so I had the unenviable task of getting about 550 of our colleagues who were working in contact centres taking customer calls to work at home and we literally did that in two weeks which was just astonishing. These people hadn't worked really from home before and so we had pretty much an arm production line of people collecting chairs and laptops and all sorts of kit and, and kind of then we were kind of going home and I'm just so so proud of them and and what our IT team achieved because to pull that off in a military style operation without any disruption to customer calls and you know that was the time when customers really needed us most as well you know calling and people worried about losing their jobs and how they're going to pay bills and so on so it was really important to keep that service going and and they pulled it off and so that was a really intense time and alongside that I guess I was trying to reassure all of our other 3,000 employees about what was going on in a, and a really really uncertain time where you know there wasn't really kind of clear messages from government and and so on so that was it was it was a lot of late nights and and long hours and, and pretty intense but I have to say having come through that period we probably got to about June um, and we sort of stabilized so we had made sure that all of our people who were out and about and working in the field had the right PPE all of our people in contact centers and others who were working from home had all the kit they needed and, and you know we working fine and so we've just basically stuck since June we've kind of gone okay we had our big intense period of readjustment and it's working fine for us and we've pretty much stayed at that position since last June and, and not really responded too much to all of this kind of in and out of lockdown it hasn't had a a major impact on our operations although we've obviously continued to check in regularly with our people and make sure that they've got everything that they need and we're doing everything that we needed to to adjust as as kind of minor sort of things just in different areas around different sort of versions of the lockdown so yeah it's been been interesting
1: (laughs) i bet it has and, and well done on doing that i'm like like i say the question i was about to say is most people might not be aware of the actual scale of, of the workforce that you've got. How, how big are you?
0: Yeah, so we're 3,000 people and we serve um, about 5 million customers across the northeast of England and also in Essex and Suffolk. And um, so we cover up some of the, the London boroughs. So it's quite a, a disparate population of um, of customers to serve. And our people, you know, it's not like they're all in one building. They're, they're hugely dispersed across all of those areas, um, both in offices, doing things in the, the communication space or accountants and all the sort of head office type functions in the customer contact centres that, that I've already mentioned um, but also very importantly out in sites and sites and making sure that the water is fantastically clean and the wastewater is treated safely and returned to the environment safely so lots of people out and about as well as people who are, are out there mending pipes and and so on so huge huge operation to to deal with. Massive
1: well like I say well done for keeping going and keeping everybody safe which I know has been your priority throughout. Interesting that you've been at Northumbrian Water for 15 years now. I know you joined in 2006 to lead its sustainability strategy, and it's great that it's had someone dedicated to that for so long. How has your role changed in this time, and, and how has the business evolved its work
0: in this area? Oh, gosh, I feel old seeing 15 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you joined straight yeah. from school. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, obviously. Um, so, so yeah, my, my role has changed quite significantly. So I, I was brought in to lead our responsible business activity. And that was really, Northumbria Mortar's always been great at this. And even before before I joined, there was a huge amount going on in terms of community activity and um, our commitment to the environment and, and making sure that we were doing all the things we possibly could to enhance and protect the environment. Um, I guess bringing me in gave, that role give that activity a real focus. It helped us to measure it. It helped us to benchmark with other companies and really drive forward. So, so that was kind of the, the early work that I did, and that enabled us to win things like the Queen's Award for Sustainability and a huge number of other accolades, which were we're really really proud of. But I guess it was about putting process and measurement and systems around some of that stuff. Um, and I guess once you you kind of take on a task like that, that works right across the business. Other things follow. So. Um, Um, I then started to to learn more about the the kind of media space of things and had a a fantastic senior manager who was very generous with his time and taught me um, a lot of things. Alistair Baker, who some of you might know, so he absolutely absolutely supported me in my early, early career around learning how to deal with the media then expanded into much more of the, the kind of internal communication space and how we could use things like the volunteering program to get employee engagement going. Um, and I guess just gradually expanded my remit from there. I eventually then took over all of the corporate affairs activity in our Essex and Suffolk area, as well as managing the, the sustainability piece in the, across the business. And then when my predecessor, John Mowbray, retired, who again was a, a fantastic mentor to me and a great champion, um, he retired and and I was fortunate enough to, to be appointed in, into the role as director. So I've been in this role for, for coming up for eight years now. So, yeah, really, really exciting. And, and, and I guess um, my role now, so I cover um, all of our internal and external communications, our public affairs activity, um, internal communications, and our marketing and design activity. I do a huge amount of the work around customer insight and engagement. And I also, which is the bit I love, really, I do a lot of the, the strategic work around thinking about our our business plans and and thinking about how to land some of the the fantastic stuff that people do in our business in in a more strategic way and join it up a bit you know so I've got a very very exciting role in that way I get to to play with lots of different parts of the business and see right across it and I love that
1: Plenty to keep you motivated and engaged all the time How big's your team
0: Louise? So my current team is about 25 people and we've got some people in in Essex and Suffolk and, and the majority of them in the north and they're all fantastic comms professionals really really proud out of them and they've had a fantastic year you know really working through through the pandemic and and making sure that they're getting the right messages out to our people to reassure them but also telling the good news stories and, and making sure that kind of our customers here the help they can get they, they talk to our stakeholders about the great work that we're doing not just in Northern green water but across the northeast to support our communities so um that's been really really fantastic to see
1: Oh, that's brilliant to hear. Um, Northumbria and Water is syn- synonymous with innovation. And I know every year that you run um, a very successful innovation festival. And this encourages people from the worlds of business, science, tech, engineering, utilities and customer services to come up with ideas to solve some of the kind of thorny problems facing society. What tangible
0: outcomes has the festival achieved so far? Oh, yeah. The Innovation Festival is one of my favorites. It's a, it's a real baby. So I've got a partner in crime on this. So our Chief Information Officer, Nigel Watson, um, he and I do a lot of work together. And we were he was set a challenge, really. I, I kind of helped him with it. And it's absolutely his idea. So our Chief Exec, Heidi, said to Nigel, you know, how do we really shout about what we're doing in innovation? How do we supercharge what we're doing? And he came up with this concept of let's have a festival that's a bit kind of Glastonbury meets kind of bake-off meets tech fest and i'm the person that makes these dreams come true apparently so we (laughs) work together on designing that and and running it as an event and it's been great fun
1: i love the idea of bringing innovation into popular culture to try and you know get people thinking about it right that's that's not an easy thing to do it's a really exciting way to address open innovation
0: oh it really is and it and i kind of the premise for it was anybody can come and take part in this just bring your ideas and then you can deliver it but we'll kind of create the framework so it's grown like topsy as a result of that i mean this year we went digital actually which was another kind of innovation evolution i guess um but it's it, you know we get 3000 people to come to the festival and but with really tangible outputs and I think it just shows that by having fun around something you really can be very creative so we always say to our teams think the opposite of what you'd normally do in your day job you know it's kind of no holes barred go for it and, and obviously creative teams love that sort of challenge so that they have great fun with it and we have sort of beach volleyball set up when it's when we do it kind of um, over at newcastle race course there and, and, and you know lots of really fun things but the important thing is that some really practical tangible results do come out of it really significant Significant ones and and just to your question, really, um, Sarah, the, the thing that I guess we're most proud of is this kind of idea of mapping underground. And, and how that came about is one of the, the problems that we face as a business is when our, our guys and girls are out there and, and they're digging, there's a high risk of, of kind of doing cable strikes as they're digging into the ground, and there's not a single map of what's actually under the ground. And um, so we're not the only ones with that problem. You know, all utilities have that, that issue. And so What we decided to do was to to pull all the different utilities of the gas companies, electricity companies, BT and and so on, get them together in a room with their lawyers and the tech people and design an app that would provide a single underground map. Um, And so that's been making steady progress over the last two or three years, so much so that, um, you know, we've we've managed to map the underground map, the whole of Sunderland, Newcastle, we're currently working our way across the whole of the Northeast, but it got government attention and, and they put in about. 10 million quid to support the project and started to implement wow. the tool across London as well so That's amazing. this is something I know it's phenomenal isn't it from just like a little little yeah. festival in Newcastle and and one of the key things in this is not just the tech but unbelievably getting all the lawyers in the same room so we use this kind of sprint thing That's- Quite a everybody, challenge. I <laughs> know everybody brought, well, so so what would have taken months for the lawyers to hammer out between them on email and so Getting them all in the same room for a week, putting people in jazzy shirts and, and shorts and volleyball and all the stuff around it and getting them to actually hammer it out there and then solved so many problems. Very human
1: way of doing business, right? Face to face, and also with other things. You know, it's like dealing with teenagers, isn't it? If you want to have a difficult, (laughs) tricky conversation with them, do it on a walk or while you're doing something, and and where they've got an opportunity to escape. So the way to do it. Maybe this is the way we do business.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Feed them lots of sweets as well as also the tip from the festival. But yeah, it's you know a a, a really practical solution, and it'll save the utility industries hundreds of millions of pounds. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. So really, really pleased with that. I have a difficult question
1: for you. Don't In like difficult opinion. questions. <laughs> You'll have the answer. You've got the answer to everything. What one development do you think would create transformational change for the North? Uh, as you know, you know, I know you're very close to what's going on, you, and you do an awful lot of work, not just at, at uh, Northern Britain Water, but obviously the North's been hard hit by changes to industry, and it's now really suffering from the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and of course we've now had the EU exit the the full impact of of which we've not quite felt but what what do you think what intervention would really
0: help around here well, that is a really tricky question. And my personal view on that is investment in digital infrastructure. I think if not this last year's taught us nothing else, it's about our broadbands just aren't up for everybody properly working from home and doing things digitally. And that's, you know, and I and I live not new, um, near Newcastle and I'm pretty well served by this sort of thing. I just can't imagine how difficult it must be for some communities. And I do think that, you know, the quicker that we get 5G rollout and really invest in our digital infrastructure, that will be an absolute game changer for our region and and we need to do that in a way that's inclusive so nobody gets left behind because we've really seen that digital divide broaden as we've gone into this pandemic really has yeah so we need to we need to think about and and I guess this is a question for for government and and those who work in the policy arena but how do you do that in an inclusive way so it's as straightforward as people using roads and, and that sort of thing that's the infrastructure that we really need next I think
1: Oh, completely agree. Actually, which brings us on nicely to the next question, talking about that kind of divide that we've seen widen. Um, and, um, I know, like, like your employer you care deeply about doing good and Northumbrian Water is a partner of the Laptop for Kids Appeal and I know that that's to make sure that people get, get what they need in order to succeed and so that like I said they're not left behind tell us about that and how it came
0: about oh yeah well I'd love to take credit for it but again it's not mine it's, one of, it's, it's um, Nigel's my partner in crime he's absolutely the force for good behind this you're one. like the,
1: the duo that can't be stopped <laughs> you
0: are <laughs> well no just you know first laptop for kids next to the world you know I hope so <laughs> um, he's uh, he he um, he was he was seeing a problem that and actually it was it was connected to a school that that we work with in Sunderland Castleview Enterprise Academy, um, and we we were very conscious of this issue that whilst kids were working from home, there was a huge issue with some kids not being able to access the internet, and that was either because they didn't have the physical kits or the laptops and so on, or they didn't have access to the internet, and that was very quickly and very clearly going to become a massive issue for kids being left behind in terms of their learning. So we started to do what we could very on a very local basis, firstly with Castleview and and giving them some laptops so that the kids who didn't have the kit could could access it, and then partnered up with a number of organisations an organisation who we've done a lot of work with who refurbishes our old laptops and puts them back into community use and managed to get some other laptops into some other schools in Sunderland and from there really as conversations go we're talking to to the guys at the the Journal and the Chronicle and the Northern Powerhouse and the Left and all of these people about what we were doing and how should we scale up Um, and Nigel put some stuff out on LinkedIn it got a phenomenal response and that gave us the confidence really to kind of go this is a thing, people want to support it Um, let's put a big campaign around it and drive it so i think to date we've got about two thousand laptops out to kids and um we've certainly put about 100 dongles in the last week just into into the community as well so that's the things that people can put into the laptops and, and can access the internet. On, yeah. yeah that's exactly it so so yeah we're helping with that but there's some great things Funny, i was just having a conversation with sarah Glendinning at the cbi this morning and and osage are doing some brilliant work in this area so we're just trying to join everybody up and, and see how we can make this a, a better and bigger thing
1: that's that's the key, isn't it? Trying to get the scale and let people know where they can make a difference because if other organisations want to follow suit, it's helpful not to have to start from scratch and know where to go. And also, you know, even if it's a small donation when, when put with others, that's that's where the big difference is made. Definitely, definitely. Let's yeah. talk a little about you. So uh, I know you're a mum. How are you managing homeschooling? Because you've got 13 <laughs> and a 10-year-old, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I do so.
0: My daughter, Charlotte, is 13. My son, Thomas, is 10. So I have to say they're doing... Brilliantly with homeschooling, I'm so proud of them. It's not been easy, and um, school's been brilliant. I've just got absolute respect for the teachers, not just because I'm having to do it myself, but the the support and the 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 kind of um, the how they're trying to make things differently for different for the kids and how they're engaging the kids. You know, all credit to them because they've got their own circumstances and families to manage as well. I'm sure, so so great, very very grateful for that. But the kids are doing great, thank you. They, and um, it's been a bit tougher, I think, for Thomas because you know he's only ten, so in first down all his lessons are online these google classroom and stuff so i had to teach him about email management and so we were sitting down an hour at the beginning of a day going through his emails and checking what tasks he had to do and then checking back in for an hour at the end of the day to see that he'd done everything and deleting stuff we didn't need anymore so it's so that kind of like admin stuff they've probably learned some amazing skills as a result of it and certainly he's flying with it now but i think it's the the pent-up energy they're both pretty sporty and um, thomas in particular but uh, we invested early doors in in september in a, in a punch bag and that's been a we've just
1: blessing. bought one How fantastic. And also, to be fair, when I'm having a bad day, it's it's helping me let up a bit of steam as well. Yeah,
0: me too. Definitely works, doesn't it? Developing some shoulders here. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it definitely does. (laughs)
1: Um, You originally trained as a chartered accountant, so a big change of career. How difficult was that move and what precipitated it?
0: Yeah, um, it, it didn't, didn't feel like a big change to me, I guess. Um, so I was I had a great job working for KPMG in Edinburgh, um, where I was trained to be a chartered accountant, worked in financial audits so, or um, working on big banks and fund managers. Um so, so I had some really interesting and exciting stuff to do. Um, but I think I probably, you know, I was looking ahead at a kind of where others' careers were going, and thinking, I don't think this is for me. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not really feeling it. I guess is is probably how I describe it. And KPMG um, were very much at the forefront of business community, um, which is a, a national charity that works with big companies on corporate responsibility. And at the time, our UK managing partner Mike Rake was was chair of business in the community. So there was a big drive on volunteering and community engagement, and investment in communities, and a lot on kind of benchmarking of environmental activity. And and I've always been one to put the hand up and organise the social stuff. So I ended up organising all the volunteering activity. And I've I've always volunteered throughout my life. And anyway, so I was very passionate about encouraging others to do it. And um, and so as a result of that, I just got more and more sort of hooked into what business in the community were doing and the the force for good that business can be, you know, which was a real antidote to, to kind of auditing banks where you know the money doesn't even fit on a calculator and you're trying to see what goes back into the community so um, I got more interested in that and to the point that I decided there was other stuff going on with family at the time. I was living in Edinburgh, newly married and probably not spending much time in Edinburgh. I was working in London most of the time. My husband was working in in Northern Ireland. So we were kind of like ships in the night a bit and just decided that we wanted to move back to Newcastle and and be closer to my family. So this role came up at Business in the Community to, to kind of head up the um The community investment activity in the northeast, and I thought, Oh gosh, do you know i 'd love to do that so so off I went and um i 'll never forget and this is terrible to say this but and i won 't sort of say who it was, but but somebody who I worked with very closely who was very senior and I really respected at k p m g when I was leaving said to me, do you know what you're doing? You're giving up a promising career here to go and work for a tin pot charity. And I said, oh. mm. I know, I said, well, I don't think they are. They're a national charity that's you know, sponsored by the Prince of Wales. And I've thought about this and this is really what I want to do. And he said, you've got a very understanding husband.
1: Well, wow, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but those are still out there, those people. I know, I know. Do you know, I couldn't get out the door quick enough after that. I bet you were, but like, right decision and got this 100% right.
0: Uh, I know. And do you know, I've just never, never looked back. It's, you know, I mean, I loved, don't get me wrong, love my time at KPNG. Brilliant yeah. people fantastic training for a graduate coming out and and learning about the world of work and you know that work ethic and all of that
1: and also great background for a commons world to be honest you know Mm, I've always said the business management side of things is absolutely crucial so
0: yeah definitely it's definitely helped me but you know I think from that I probably learned you know two things is kind of trust trust yourself and, and and you know back yourself but also you know, take advantage of every opportunity that comes along because you just don't know what direction it's going to take you in.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have probably felt that very much since the start of the pandemic. I'm going to bring us to a close. I could talk to you all day, but I'm afraid we're running out of time. (laughs) Um, But I'll end as I always end. And it's an important note related to mental health. Um, I think a lot of people have struggled particularly um, since this time last year. Mm. What self-care do you practice in order to look after you and
0: yours? you mm, know it's so important isn't it and you know i've seen lots of friends and family and, and people that i work with struggle over the years and 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 I think particularly this year it's been tough. And I am pretty resilient as a person, but I found that even this year that there's been times when I struggle. I really thrive on being with other people. So I've had to find new ways to to kind of get my my kind of yellowness, my my kind of um, kicks back. And, and one of the things which really surprised me is I I have turned to exercise quite a bit. I am not one for exercising at all. I've never run anywhere in my life, and you know I just wouldn't wouldn't be my thing. But um, at the back end of the summer, I decided I was going to set myself a challenge and do Couch to 5K, which I achieved and have maintained. So I've been running now since the end of September and I now run 5K two or three times a week. And oh, well we got it. I know we've got an exercise bike as well. And I'm cycling like a demon. I honestly i am so, so pleased. So I cycle sort of every other day as well. So I've been doing that's a, great. a lot to keep me fit that way. And and, and that's really helping. I, I, really, really believe in the power of exercise now. And I don't think I would have ever said that a year ago. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, I always know that I'm having a bad time if I can't be bothered to get
1: up and out. So I don't, I don't go masses. So I do probably the same as you about three miles um, a few times a week. But I know that uh, I have to really force myself out. That, that's exactly when I really need to go. So uh, I think that's really good advice. Um, it's great brain rest space, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think that's why I get loads of good ideas. And I'm now practised in and I, I should really not do this, but um, I do run and write at the same time on my iPhone because often I'll get an idea or I'll think, actually, that's a really great blog post and then I'll start writing. So uh, think... Wow, that's
0: super multitasking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's also, how do, else do you find the time? That's the, that's the way I fit it in. Oh, Louise, <laughs> listen, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And as I know, you've got an incredibly busy schedule. Um, if you who is listening along would like to keep up to date with Louise, you can connect with her on Twitter at Hunter Louise, or you can find her on LinkedIn too. Thanks very much for listening today and if you or anyone you know might make an interesting guest please do drop me a line at sarah@astute.work stay safe and see you next time
0: thank you for listening to my friends in the north with sarah waddington you can find sarah on twitter at mrs underscore or get involved with the podcast by emailing sarah@astute.work see you next time